socially intoxicated awareness podcast we are your host toby and scott and i have just outdone scott to the intro <laughs> i'm still forgetting to say the actual name so toxic well i've got so i've gotten so used to saying socially intoxicated awareness podcast now uh, it's essentially one syllable right yeah pretty much There's not a big difference anything's one syllable if you speak fast enough Hi, viewership. We are happy to be back from our uh, little break. Well, our unexplained hiatus, which was honestly due to continuously forgetting to upload pre-recorded episodes, and now it's just it's too late to upload them. We can't upload an episode on the Formula One race from the 10th of October or so. <laughs> doesn't really matter because in Formula One, as of night, a lot of shit has happened in the last four weeks, Yep. Uh, which we will be covering today in our uh, Sunday evening report i guess um, not last week but the last four or five weeks yeah i guess so whatever stuck yeah there's been quite a bit of shit uh covid is up covid's back Get baby shit out of the way with. we're back we're back um that's about all we can really say about it highest numbers ever <laughs> the netherlands went uh, into a short-term lockdown i think it was called um and it caused riots oh really again yeah pleasant Pleasant. Extremely so. Tell me more. Um, well, last week, uh, beginning of last week, it leaked um, that there would be an announcement made by the Dutch government, as it often does, um, and that restaurants would be closing down at seven again, and um, that there would be some contact restrictions, uh, such as seventy-five percent people, uh, seventy-five people max at big events. Um, not recommended more than four people over, um, and so on. Exactly. Anyways, uh, and I think on Thursday they made the announcement, and, and very shortly after, uh, news articles started popping up about uh, revolts in the usual places: Rotterdam, the, the Hague. I don't, I don't want to, you know, say it was just one city, but you know, the major cities in the Netherlands. What about Amsterdam? I did forget Amsterdam. Yeah. Okay, so that's nice. Let's get bad news out of the way. That's great. So now that we've covered that, let's go into uh, Tommy. You've had a very exciting weekend, and Yep. Uh, or four or five weeks of vaping. Um, I don't remember when we did our last show. Surely after this race, it was. It was the first race in October, uh, which I can quickly look up. Mind you, the last show we uploaded, I have no clue. Um, the last show we recorded was. Um, As you can see, viewership. Was tenth of October, yeah. Um, well, today was the race in Brazil. Last weekend was the race in Mexico. Mexico and City. The weekend prior to that was. Uh, Turkey. Austin? Austin, yes. Austin. Austin, and then Turkey before that, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yes. So Right, Austin. Austin was a fun race. Austin was a very good race. Uh, a few races ago, and that was, as history has shown, is usually a very strong Mercedes track, but Red Bull managed to pull that out of Yep. As all I have is mobile on. Yeah, moving on to Mexico, that was a very fun race to watch. Yeah, Mexico was very strong for Red Bull. Very, very strong. Um, Perez 
Perez, who was the first Mexican driver uh, ever to land a podium spot and lead a lap in the race in his home circuit in Mexico. So that was a really nice moment in the race, pretty much closed with him. Max was away on first, and he was closing in on Hamilton, and it was a close battle down into the last lap until the last corner. And managed to get third, not second, but it was a very feel-good moment, I think, for the Indian driver yeah. of the day. Yeah. Uh, so now we're at this weekend, the second of a triple header. Yeah. Um, meaning that there's no breaks in between, or weekend after weekend, three weeks in a row. Uh, so we're in the mid-stage, and we have Brazil this weekend, which also was the final sprint of the season. Uh, sprint events meaning the qualifying changes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, another week only because we've got uh, Italy. Uh, the difference isn't much. Um, you have qualifying, uh, your standard um, hybrid era qualifying. Um, on Friday now, then you have a short race, a quarter of a distance or so. Um, so it goes 24, uh, 24 laps um, in what is called a sprint race, which is essentially a zero to one pit stop race. Um, yeah, no holding back. You just go for it in whatever order you finish in the top three, get points. And the rest of, um, the, rest of the field starts in that uh, position where they finished the previous race. Um, what's very interesting is Hamilton had to keep uh, or was disqualified from the original qualifying, started from the back in the uh, sprint qualifying and managed to get to, fi uh, to fifth position within uh, 24 laps, probably less, but uh, at, the, at the finish line lap was it, which is an incredible achievement, obviously. So then he comes out of the sprint and um, because his DRS setting was somehow off uh, and he had some technicality. Oh, no, that was after qualifying, not sprint. The DRS thing was what got him the twenty. What was was what got him disqualified oh, right, yeah, from? Yeah, sorry, and then yeah. he had he had switched engines exactly as well and gotten a new engine, which is a standard five gear penalty placement after qualifying, which is the final poll of the uh, the positions after the sprint race on Saturday. So he added the he had managed to get back up to fifth, but had to take the five gear penalty. So he started from tenth uh, today, uh, really battling all the penalties this weekend and put off very impressive showing uh starting from 10th i think within the first two laps he was into fourth place yeah uh and then beginning of the third he was in, in third place no and uh fifth lap is when they made the switch but he was i think within two laps or so he was behind the ferraris and it took him not long to uh, cover those and then Bottas switched him leading to a fairly helpless red bull side not being able to yeah. deal with the power of the um Essentially concluding that Hamilton pulled off a very dominant performance at the end, where he still seemed to be the favorite, even though he was, I guess he got out of the traffic very quickly. Plus, there were two safety cars in the first 20 laps that uh, really helped his case of, of catching up and not allowing Red Bull to, yeah. to get any distance. Yeah, and the insane thing about it is um, Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton managed this weekend, Sir Lewis Hamilton, I should say, managed this weekend to overtake every other driver on the field at least once. And not lap them, overtake them, which is insane. Meaning being behind them at some point. Yeah. And then finish the race first. Uh, so, yeah, very impressive F1 weekend. Very good race to watch. Extremely so. Um, general rundown of the results. Uh, Ferrari finished P5 and 6. Perez finished P4. Bottas P3. Max second. And Hamilton first. Underneath that, we had, uh, I think... The Ferraris, the Alpines... No, no, Gasly. Gasly in seventh, I think. Gasly was ahead of the Alpines. The other Ferraris, Gasly. Uh, the Alpines, Ricar uh, Ricardo was out. Norris, maybe. 
Vettel. Vettel yeah. didn't finish in the points. Vettel think. was 11th, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so eight times had had those. Yeah. Vettel, Bottas was just chugging up through right behind. Which is, again, impressive for the Alphas to be that close to the yeah. points. Yeah, yeah, considering they bumped each other in the uh, <laughs> in the initial yeah. sprint race. Uh, yeah, so there was definitely that. Um, what else has been going on uh, with you, apart from Formula One? <laughs> what has been going on with me? Yeah. yeah. Um, my last few weeks have been pretty bad, um, to be fair. Um, so I said it on the podcast before, I was waiting to go to Japan for my scientific exchange and to write my master's thesis there, which unfortunately, because of the COVID situation in Japan, um, was recently announced that while the country is opening, the timeline for most students to enter will be approaching January and February, um, which is too late for the stakeholders at my uni. So um, it's unlikely that, or it's, yeah, it's called off. I'll not be going uh, unless uh, something dire changes next year or who knows what, whatever goes on. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's been, well, it's been sad and it's been, it's been maddening a bit, but yeah, we were, everyone was staying super on top of it and just trying to stay informed. And as soon as something happened, as soon as we finally have clarity, I say we, because there's more than just me going through the program that I'm going. Um, yeah, we sort of, you know, we were preparing for the no-go for a long time. So we're all starting, you know, are now an organization where we're trying to start our things in Mars place and uh, yeah, get a good degree out of it. Yeah, no, I mean, the opportunity is still plenty of I yeah, the silver lining, I think, is that in the four weeks, or I think August, four years ago, uh, initially, we have kind of essentially become roommates for yeah. three months, which, yeah. is, uh, which is a nice, a nice yeah. nostalgic moment reflecting on yeah. our old Krakow times. Interesting, interesting thing. Yeah, because I, I had a flat lined up in Japan, so I didn't have one here, obviously. And then the call came, okay, well, um, from October onwards, I'd have to, and I wanted to do lab work, right? Um, and, and start a scientific research, even if I don't go to Japan, which in the end, uh, you know, saves my ass a bit now. But I didn't have a place in Maastricht, and commuting every day is, is impossible. So luckily, I have my best friend sitting here uh, halfway across um, or halfway uh, distance and uh, have a place to sleep and have, have some wonderful friends in Maastricht as well where I can crash. So yeah, I'm making a couch surfing experience. Also very good. Some would say that's also a form of an exchange. Yeah. You just have several quite few Dude, the funny the funny <laughs> thing is right so for for exchanges you have to write up all these documents of like how yeah what what kind of personal development you want to have when you go on exchange honestly man i think i've really like grown as a person and developed through through this couch surfing just through being like okay well i don't know where i'm gonna sleep tonight you know? <laughs> which is is yeah bad comedy um uh, when you consider that there's people out there who feel like this every single day, you know, and I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to be able to look at it and go, well, I've learned from this, but yeah, that's, it's been the, it's been the, the bright side that, and that I get to spend a lot of uh, time with a lot of good friends. Existentialism. <laughs> I think that's what you can tell us here. Speaking of existentialism, um, I went to a very interesting play today um, regarding uh, a play at Bonn by the theater players and uh, there's a form of variety of, of, of theater hits etc on, um, on small stage and presented in English essentially so there's a lot of room there for people to improvise which is always nice to see because you don't necessarily always see it in the center um, and this play was done by Jean-Paul Sartre uh, for the very mispronounced Sartre Sartre <laughs> Sartre or Sartre as the British might say uh, 
unit is called No Exit. Um, essentially, it deals with three characters that enter through a door. The stage itself never changes. It's one setting. Uh, you can imagine it being two couches, one kind of chair, throne-like chair. Um, no mirror, uh, and a statue in the middle. Uh, so we have three people that have recently died and now go into a waiting room of Kuzuki's fortress and are waiting to ask for help. Uh, that much they know because they remember how they died when they died, etc. Um, the further it goes is that these three characters end up fighting a lot and it's basically a monologue-based play uh, with a lot of dark humor in terms of they're all essentially predators that are torturing each other. Yeah. And they all kind of are aware of it, but they still continue to do it. Yeah. And it's very funny because it essentially ends with there's one sharp object in the room, whoever it can be. And at the very end, one little girl, one of the three, a woman who got to think that she had it out of wedlock and everything. Yeah. Wait, so she, she went to hell for having a woman having a baby out of wedlock, not for throwing the baby out of the window. Pretty sure that's the point of okay, okay. <laughs> smashed it with a stick to the point where I don't know. Oh, okay. That's pretty detailing, but but anyway, at some point she got so riled up by the by the other woman there uh, that she tried to stab her to death with a letter opener, which is hilarious because they're in hell, so it tickled her and she started yeah. laughing, and that was kind of the gist of the play, and it revolved around the theme of all these guys and other people were were. Essentially, just attempting to strike me, and uh, it was funny kind of picturing that interpretation. Yeah, uh, so that was a very good play to watch. I recommend to anybody who was ever in Bonn, um, check it out. Bonn players, they still like the stuff to love. Yeah, there's um, the, the story you tell, um, there's two things it reminds me of. One is obviously the Dutch place, which is, I think, pretty much inspired by this. Yep. The other thing. Is um, there's a skit? Uh, I think it's a Monty Python skit, or it might just be a Rowan Atkinson uh, original, whatever. Anyways, uh, Rowan Atkinson plays uh, a devil called Toby, um, who welcomes um, a batch of new arrivals to hell, and uh, goes about it in a very kind of like orderly British polite way, uh, but always bringing in that they'll be tortured for eternally, eternity, which is a very long time, of course, as we all understand. <laughs> Um, which always makes me chuckle. Uh, a, because his name's Toby, which is both a funny name for a devil and my name, so that's fun. Um, and B, I think he, he splits him like, okay, Catholics on the left, everyone else on the right. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. I do enjoy a funny hell skit, I will say. Though I'm not sure if Sattva's uh, uh, skit was meant to be funny primarily or is more by context. I don't know. In this way, they made it a little bit funny yeah. and, and, and absurd. Yeah. Um, Furthermore, yeah, continuously when I watched it and learned that it's a good place, yeah, because the gist of the good place and spoiler alert if you haven't watched the first season of that show, um, at the end of the first season you essentially find out that they are in hell and not in the fifth place, yeah. which they think is heaven, and that they are terrible people and they're all essentially there to torture each other. Yep. Uh, so it's a similar, uh, a similar uh, plot line, and uh, that show is funny. So yeah, fun, very fun show, very heartfelt. Very, very good. Uh, I forgot what the other thing was I thought of. Now. Oh, yeah, now I know. There's a movie made by Roman Polanski. And I uh -huh. forget the English name, but the German name is Der Gottes Kind. And it's essentially two parents of kids who fought at school or something. They meet in, uh, they meet for dinner to talk it over and to get through their issues and to make sure that the kids are doing all right, that they're, you know, to be better people in it. Uh, it's called.
Bob Carnegie, no? Thank you very much, Toby. Uh, and the, the, it's also based in one room the whole time. It's just a conversation and it's an hour and a half pure comedy. Uh, very, very recommendable movie if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, check it out. Um, speaking of plays, uh, we also went to another musical, well, to another play slash musical. Um, and not just any musical, huh? It's the only musical that has held entirely on roller skate. I'm saying like I know. Um, it's uh, the Starlight Express in Bochum, Germany, um, which was fantastic. I mean, whoever came up with the idea of saying, okay, we're going to have a musical and we're going to perform it live. And we're going to perform it entirely on roller skates. And it's going to be about trains uh, in an international race uh, as held by a child playing with its trains. Uh, it's Clearly crazy, and someone I very like, very much like to have a drink with. Sometimes I feel like the people that saw that are the same people that showed up to um, the Oscars in dresses, which are sometimes crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like there has to be a wild shroom trip or something to come yeah. up with the idea. So the play is introduced, and it's a kid. Everything's dark, and it's a kid speaking on a microphone, essentially just imagining. Okay, we're going to the world championships of racing, and they race random like public transport trains which is already an odd concept. So you have the German ICE, which says it's always on time, which is hilarious because it's like, oh, it's <clears throat> another obvious disappointment of late. Then they have the, um, the, the Peugeot from France, which is known to be fast. But then again, I don't know. Uh, and then they have a variety of others, an American diesel train. And uh, the funny thing is, even though it's in Germany in this small town called Bochum, they have actors that, or, or, or well, not actors, yeah, uh, that, all from it seems like the various nations and also because it was produced only in German had said accents yeah. so I thought that was good for authenticity but not so great for understanding without subtitles uh -huh. I wish I would have had German subtitles there yeah but the gist of it was really cool because you had stunt performers there as well doing backflips on inliners and, and all kinds of stuff yeah entertaining oh, and the music man Be beautifully performed so yeah, what an outrageous idea, coupled with just beautiful music and stage work and wonder and fantasy. Uh, yeah, really good. Also, I looked it up. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote it. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, maybe we should have known that. But uh, yeah, a famous playwright uh, with hits such as Cats. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we could have probably, and probably the, known that. And there's the Wikipedia entrance of the day for you. Yep. Um, what else has happened in the last four weeks? God, it's so I have much. a big thing that's happened in the last Go four on. weeks. And the reason we will name this title of the episode the following, uh, which is, well, the title of the title, and you'll see that there. Uh, but that's a good title, though. The title is the title, no, you'll see it the here. The title will be uh, using Squid Game in the title for Squid Thing. And what has uh, been released in the last four weeks, uh, or five, I think, um, the beginning of October, Squid Game. Uh, Well, there's a second season confirmed now, which is nice. Mm -hmm. uh, not because the writer wanted to or has one planned, but because he felt pressure to. That's kind of how he gave it in his in really his press statement. Interesting, because there are some loose ends at the end. You know, we can put the thing. Well, he was like, it's not like I really have a choice to do a second season, so yeah, yeah there's going to be a second season. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. essentially what he said, because uh -huh. he was such a nice man. Um, but, yeah, good show. Fun to watch. Way too late a reaction. I just wanted to mention it to... Um, to, to justify the title being Squid Game. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Man, what a show. Honestly. 
Um, I'd seen it, you know, you see it online and memes and that sort of stuff. And I was like, okay, well, um, I'm not really a guy for like the, the hour long episode kind of shows. Um, just because I usually like, you know, really binging a show. Um, and these days I don't find myself having the time to do that with, you know, nine episodes an hour each, but that, uh, a friend of mine, uh, actually showed me the first episode and I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is really, yeah. Tai showed, Tai showed no, me but that. But then you say it after the first episode. I yeah, no, because I thought that the, I thought the first episode was the shock value in it and the way it sells you the show is phenomenal, right? It's you, you have essentially what is a, a sad slice, slice of life story. And then this crazy element gets, gets involved. And, you know, whether you've seen the spoilers or not, you can see that something bad is coming to these people. And then it's so brutal, but not focused necessarily on the brutality, but on the reaction to it. What, what I thought was crazy going, especially into the first episode, was I thought I had been spoiled because I watched it like really late. Yeah, you watched it when I'd already finished the show. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of watched it with me again. And then um, I thought going into it, I knew pretty much everything that was going to happen. And I was like, okay, the main guy, I know he survives. I don't know how or why, but I, I and I know that the gist is like poker, essentially, or mm -hmm. kids games where you die and you, you have to go nuts. And then the first episode doesn't even mention it. Like, it doesn't even get close to that really at all. Yeah. Like, you don't have any of that. You just have the portrayal of your main characters that are all in fucking debt and, like, yeah. in a shit kind of way. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it gets introduced. And then it's, like, a whole, like, part of a bigger world or a bigger thing. So that's when it comes in where you, you start reflecting on your own world. And I've, I've read a lot of different things, uh, opinions on it and why it's so successful. I think the main thing is not that it's because it's a Korean show, so you know a lot of people are watching the U.S. and it's not as relatable, just simply mm -hmm. because of I think the, the the setting that it's often in, so like the language and the tone, so whatever it may be. But the relatability is what is what happens with this thing that spends all this money effectively to survive day to day. It's like something everybody can relate to, and uh, but it's you know in in its time yeah. or whatever. Uh, and also through the whole show those players in that game are kind of being exposed in that game and controlled by very few very 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 wealthy people so it's kind of very symbolizes that that capitalist structure like mm -hmm. the more you have the you know there's very few people that own the most so good show fun show justified the title yeah i think not a not an easy watch um I, but a worthwhile watch yeah i give it a, i give it a eight yeah, I, uh, definitely. Uh, Review-wise, definitely 8, 9, 10. Um, but because we've been, I think we've been calling it fun a lot. And I'm not sure I'd call it fun. I'm, I'd call it entertaining. But also, again, it's, it's not, you know, if you, if you have a bit of empathy in you, it's not an easy show to necessarily watch because you see a lot of suffering yeah. that is very well portrayed. Um, and a lot of relatable, well, not relatable, but a lot of situations where you may, that make you think, how would I react? I think there's also like shows and movies that you watch and you like you watch them and then you go to bed and you know you already forgot that you watched you've like shows you know like simple shows like how i met your mother or stuff that's not really deep where you like you know die hard and you, you just yeah. watch it it's cool but this really like sticks in your mind yeah and, like still a week and a half two weeks later i was still thinking about the concept of the show yeah. what it could mean not just the loose ends of the plot but also 
like the further implication is really just you would think that ethics is a cool like that's an extra bonus mm. not everything does that and again yeah. there's a time and place to watch something like that but there are not a lot of movies like American Psycho is one I strictly think of mm. I just didn't get out of my mind for a week it just it, I don't know if it traumatized me or what because that's a freaky fucking movie it is a freaky movie uh, but yeah they just kind of stick with you and there's very few movies that do yeah Yeah, the interesting thing about um, Squid Game, I thought, you know, we're, we're so used to death in shows, right? It's not that you see, it's not that you have so much death in a show, it's how, in my opinion, death is either two things in, in most shows. You know, you have the, um, the general stuff where you, you follow a character and then over time, um, you know, you develop a relationship with that character, parasocial, obviously, um, and then the character for whatever reason dies. And that's that kind of part of the story um, and it's made to feel you make, made to make you feel a certain way, made to motivate the main characters in a certain way, or you kind of go the, um, the Game of Thrones route where death is just this ever-present partner that you have to expect, you know, um, which still makes it very sad when it happens, uh, but gives it this certain frame of, well, this is just this is just the way it is. Whereas in Squid Game, what I thought they did really interestingly um, was yes, both these things apply, right? You have death is always there. You see many, many people die throughout the show. Um, and you also have these, uh, these characters which get given arcs that make you feel for them um, over time. But it combines the two in the sense that you go into that knowing, okay, one person, maybe two of you, like the Hunger Games a lot, will survive this. So you, you think you know what's coming. And yet again, they, they put such emphasis on the emotional side of the death, you know? Like, some of these deaths, while not maybe spoken about, they stick with the characters and the decisions they make for so long, till the very end of the story, um, after they've served their purpose, uh, which I think is not something a lot of shows do necessarily. They have a death, it happens, it serves its purpose, it moves on, or they have a lot of death. And this show had both. It had deaths that, deaths that served the purpose. It had a lot of death uh, just to kind of show you the reality of the, of the universe they create. But they also had the, such continuous and emotional impact, such active influence on the characters. It was very nice, very well made. What I really liked was um, at the very start of the show, uh, I went to crazier themes of the show because they had this guy from Squid Game that played him as like the leader or something. So um, people had all signed a contract to like stay, they knew they were going to be at the end of it, but that wasn't what they expanded on. I personally don't know because it was a like theme and communication that applied. It was there on the well, I I, well, I read the subtitles when I watched it. Um, anyway, they come in and then people are just mowed down because they're all moving and panicking and calling police. They all get mowed down because they're panicking and calling police. Like the Dallas kind of hits them, and over time, the desperation because they see that one life is connected to X amount of dollars, mm -hmm. they see death as like a cash prize. Yeah. And um, the desperation versus their own moral compass and their values and how they try to get to compromise. Yep. And then you see at the very end, and I, I won't say who the winner is, but like uh, there's a certain person that does come out of it with a certain prize money, and he's rich and wealthy and everything. The underdog thief doesn't drop everything. I, there's like a like afterwards, there's a moment where they feel like he betrayed like all of his values, and uh, you know once you start anew, I think it's really. I love how they. Every character too, 
if there's like five, six, seven main characters and they all have that progress, mm -hmm. they will take more and more drastic steps over time because of the repetition. Yeah. That, I've never seen that before. I have to say, and I, I'm not super well versed in the in the Marvel universe. Yeah, good show. <laughs> so much on that. So we spent way more time than I thought we would on that. I just wanted to get it. Yeah, I know, right? It's like two seconds, and then we just both started a bit monologue. Um, Toby and I have been testing and drinking a variety of beers in recent times. So how about we quickly introduce what we're drinking? Uh, yeah. I'm having something called uh, Kunz uh, Eifler Landbier, ungefiltert or, or unfiltriert. Um, now it's a lung beer, uh, which will make it automatically quite nice. Uh, mind you, all these beers we're just sort of drinking what, whatever the local kiosk has. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm quite partial towards uh, unfiltered is uh, what the final word meant there, if, if you uh, weren't paying attention. Um, I'm quite partial towards unfiltered beers. I think uh, it gives them a nice, a nice uh, depth of flavor somehow even. Um, it makes a, you know, lung beer a bit closer to a to a wheat beer, which I, uh, which I also am quite partial towards. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy these. Also, um, uh, in the Netherlands, there's quite a few ongefiltered. Uh, Brand ongefiltered is the first that comes to mind, which is a bit more mainstream. But, yeah, that are quite nice. I like it. For me, it was the first time I tested it. And at first, I thought uh, unfiltered meant, like, um, when people buy juice with, mm -hmm. with like, fruit in it. Yeah. Not. I don't really like that shit yeah. in my juice. So I was like, eh. And then Toby made me drink one a few days ago, and they were really good. They yeah. were really nice. And then I realized unfiltered actually more means like it's apple juice that goes in a cooler fridge. Uh -huh. I don't know the English term for that. Unfiltered. Uh, <laughs> 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 and there's the loop. Yeah. And there's the loop. Anyway, I enjoy this. I am drinking a classic old Czech lager called Budweiser. I think it's Budvar. Budvar. Ah. In uh, one of my favorite, in one of my favorite podcasts, NatPod, um, not another D&D podcast, they have a character called Bukvar, uh, which is, um, I think it might be Romanian, uh, but it just means hook. It just means which hook. I think is, is very sweet. The character called Bukvar. Um, who's also a flying hook, I, I, I should add. Does the book fly by, by yes. explosion? Yes, exactly the way you imagine it. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So like a book that someone just reads alone in Moria. Not alone, like mm. like no more it, the book has consciousness itself it's a full person um it just also happens to be a book um and uh it can it's a picture book so when it opens and has a dragon in it it can it can spew fire can you draw things in the book and those things will become created uh maybe it hasn't happened yet so i can't tell you for sure okay we should that's a good story to create we should create a story chapter for us. There is an interesting thing. One of the major... Um, a flying book called... Bookvar? Bookvar. No, we shouldn't steal it. But in the in the show, they met some... Uh, they met essentially a minor deity uh, whose whole thing was that she was writing stories and books that became reality or reality became the stories she wrote in the book and she can travel into books and live the stories. Mm. So that'd be an interesting twist, huh? Whatever is drawn in Bookvar will become reality. I talk like this because that's how roughly how the character who plays uh, or how the character who's friends with Bookvar uh, talks. Shout out to uh, College Humor. Shout out to College Humor. The, they are some of the College Humor guys. How did you know that? I know them. I know them. Oh, I you know, know that? Oh, awesome. Yeah, I don't listen to it, but I know them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dropbox, baby. Yeah. Honestly, 
it's some of the most genuine, just like, there's not a lot of things where nowadays I think our generation watches something and, you know, when Max would do when he would type LOL, they're actually not laughing out loud, they're like, smiling a little bit. Yeah, you were exhaling. Be, like. I think it should be SV. It shouldn't be LOL anymore, smiling visibly. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it should be ME, nose exhale. Nose exhale. You go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the millennial version or the Gen Z version of LOL is uh, exhale. Anyway. <laughs> no, good. Wonderful place. Go check it out. College humor, dropout. Um, if you like, D- if you like D and D, you gotta go check it out. There's enough of the free stuff out there. Just, just look at it. It's fucking hilarious. Even if you don't like D and D, they have a bunch of other cool shows. Yeah. Uh, if you like game shows, if you like werewolves, if you like weed. Yeah, there's there's something for everyone, and uh, they have they have honestly some of the greatest game show concepts ever to have been on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Game called Changers. Game Changers, a show where the game changes every single episode. And the contestants <laughs> don't know what game they're playing until they play it. Meaning the rules aren't explained and it starts and they'll figure out through getting it right or wrong what to do. There's only one way to learn and that is by playing. And there's only one way of, uh, of playing and that is by pl- uh, beginning. And there's only one way of beginning. Something like that. Beginning. Yeah, and that's beginning. Yeah, yeah. you nailed it. Good job. I didn't. I, I got so close. Anyway, um, that about covers the last four weeks, I think. Uh, so exactly what we've been up to, your downfalls. <laughs> uh, I got I got tortured for five hours. A few yeah, I was weeks gonna ago. say, are you gonna? That's what I thought yeah. when you were saying earlier. You have a big thing. Oh, <laughs> I didn't well, think it was gonna be Squid Game. <laughs> Actually, this is a big thing, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a new tattoo on my calf, and um, having previously gotten one a few weeks back. That took about two hours. I thought, oh, okay, this one takes a bit longer, and it's usually two and a half sessions, like two to three sessions. Uh, <laughs> and it takes about four to five hours. Uh, so I was like, okay, it's just twice as long. It's fine. I'm not in pain. But it was on my calf, um, and it took five hours, and that was hell. Yep. And I only had three cigarettes with me, so I had to really strategically plan when I was going to yep. take a smoke break to calm the fuck down. Yeah. Uh, but I got through it, yeah. So I'm happy it's healed. It's all good. That's funny because you were you were looking forward to it being done for so long, and then I remember the first text you sent me on the day was like, "Holy shit, this hurts." Yeah, <laughs> I was texting everybody I knew at that time just to like distract me. I texted my husband at some point. Hi, how are you doing? I'm getting a tattoo. Please just entertain me. I I need to <laughs> I need to relax. And then at some point I pulled up a stream of a soccer game just to watch it. And yeah. Uh, then I would, I actually did yell at some points, and I would just like uh, yell back because there was three other people that were there, and I was showing you all this like, <laughs> oh that motherfucker really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, hour three and four were fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because what they usually because this one has color, usually what they do is they they do the outline for the black first, um, and the problem is if you're so with me, there's like a, a painting essentially on, and you kind of treat the same skin over and over again. So after a while, if you're working in a very similar area, that skin and bone becomes very sensitive. So after two and a half hours, I was like, yeah, okay, it's fine. And then the color starts. And then I was having two and a half hours of color and shading, and that shit killed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it's done now, and honestly, I can't even remember what the pencil was. Yeah. I can't even remember it. So in whatever X amount of time when I get the next 
why it'll be like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, really oh it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Ah! <laughs> yeah, but we were just talking about testing uh, torpedoes in on the mm-hmm. like Cineram the really dark time called the Cineram or uh, yeah Cineram the Saint. They've been around since 1967. They have a collaboration with uh, an actor called Michael Shaw, Ben Taunton, and uh, yeah this guy organized it. And they're working on like Oh, speaking of Aachen, I've heard um, that the Christmas market in Aachen is pretty good. Where did you read that? Uh, it was on this um, on this website, which I'm not going to name because it's about your last name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I told Toby that the Christmas market in Aachen was starting. And due to COVID, I don't think we really had a Christmas market last year. No, not at all. Um, and Aachen is known to many, well, not as a city really, but a lot of people do actually know of the, um, like the Christmas market around Europe. And it's rated quite high, apparently. Or so I've heard. Uh, so I'm very excited about starting next weekend. Uh, anybody around the area, they have Christmas market or in the winter on the far side of the year. And that's really around more than 50 viewers. So if any of you do come, hit me up and we can drive my family out here. Honestly, it's a good place. Um, I realized I've been there ages ago, many, many years ago as a child. Mm. Uh, but I think we went because we were driving to uh, Maastricht to go get shoes for me. Because uh, Maastricht used to have lower rates for shoes. So I don't know, man. So ask my parents. Um, and I'm pretty sure we stopped by. Excuse my awkward silence there for a second. Yeah, we'll live, we'll live. Um, yeah. So you went to Maastricht to buy shoes. Yes, sir. And you saw Aachen Christmas Market on the way. I think so. So good point we will be going there next weekend so we can give you a review of the market next weekend that'll come next episode yeah. i guess and uh yeah uh, again also shout out check out the uh infamous glühweinstand in the bomb christmas market i forget what it's called but it's the one we go to every yes. year it's the one that turns <laughs> exactly it's the one with the carousel <laughs> <laughs> it's the one with the turning pointy top and it's won many awards by the local newspaper <laughs> We've been going there. <laughs> That's where we first hung out when we started becoming friends. Yeah. That's one of the first places we went to, and I can't believe I, I forget the name. The history of Toby and our friendship is a very nice one. Um, I lecture the States in 11th grade, so I had to repeat at the States uh, when I came back because the German teacher was French and I couldn't speak the school. Uh, and then I came into Toby's grade, and school started in August, September, I think. And then the Christmas market was. Yeah. end of November, beginning of December. So our holidays then started, and right when the holidays started, uh, one of our first friendship things was that we smoked the same cigarette. And that was the basis of our friendship. And after that, we went to that one uh, 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 mold wine stand with the spinning carousel top. Yeah. And since then, we've been very good friends. Yes, yes. That we have been. That was ages ago. That was eight years ago now. 2013, I want to say. 2013 or 2014, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that's a long time ago. So this podcast has been eight years in the making. Yep. Eight years of pure preparation. I guess seven. We should soon be celebrating our one year anniversary. I think we actually already have. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about that next time. Maybe we can do a little bit of... (laughs) 
We can play some audios, can, and next time we can change we can change the dates on the first episodes to make a match <laughs> when we upload the next episode. We can re-upload the first episode to a year ago exactly. Oh. Like, I don't know if that's possible, but you know that'd be nice. We can do a react uh, video to, to our, our first, first episode. episode. <laughs> yes, that'd be a great next episode. Oh, I cringe so much. We had the be great. we had even worse audio quality back then. I was just on my old laptop's microphone. It was so bad. Yeah, because I, I was on my $15 work headset. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be really fun to go through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good, good. Because I have no idea how many episodes we're going to have. I think 20 or 50 probably. Something around that, yeah. Um, <laughs> that'd be fun. Okay. Yeah, I think we've covered the last three, four weeks. Yeah, actually. we've covered them. Ah, there's, there's a lot more to say, but... You know, I think we've covered a bunch. And people are probably being back by this point. Yeah. Yeah, I usually listen to my podcast in the morning. Well, until then, it was a pleasure to talk to you again. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.